to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. Okay, before I, before I share um, the message this morning, I just want to quickly ask you, um, why are you still here? I'll explain. Okay, I want you to turn two, two to one another. Okay, and I'm not asking you why are you still in Johannesburg and not at the beach. Okay, that's not the question I'm asking. The question I'm asking is, why are you still here on this earth? Okay, why are you still here? Okay, turn two, two or three, three to one another. Just have a quick one-minute conversation. Don't overthink it. Just quickly answer. Okay. The reason I ask that question is depending on what your answer to that question is, depending on what the answer to that question for you is, is going to determine how you're going to live the rest of your life. Uh, depending on how you understand the question as well. Uh, I'm going to get back to this question now, but key thing is, depending on how you answer that question is going to depend on how you actually live the rest of your life. And just pray for us. Lord, I thank you that this morning, God, that, that you awaken us, God, to your presence. That you draw us oh, to, into your Father's arms. We thank you that we can be your children. We thank you that you've made a way. And I pray, God, that this morning, God, that you would um, just continue the work that you've started in us by making us more and more into your likeness, God, teaching us how to follow you in all areas of our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, this morning I want to talk about mission critical. Um, now, for a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? Mission for those that like war movies, you'll like the sermon. If you don't like war movies, it's okay. Um, but what, it, what, I'm, what I'm referring to is what are the critical, the, the critical things when you talk about a mission? If you send a SWAT team into a specific area, there are certain key things that you're sending them there to do. If they don't do that, then the mission has failed. Um, let's talk about a woman giving birth. The mission critical thing there is for the baby to be born and the mother to still be alive at the end of the day. Amen? Okay, that wasn't, in, that wasn't intended to be such a deep moment, okay? So you can smile at that. <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's in, 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 different, in different things, in different facets, there are, there are different things that are really critical to the purpose of what that mission was about. And that's why I'm asking the question about why are you still here? Because your answer to that is going to determine what is that mission critical thing that you are still here on this earth, on this planet in 2016, here for. Um, and it's not for all sorts of things. And we're going to look at Scripture a little bit about that. And uh, just as an introduction, we've at, at, small, at, at uh, our camp at the beginning of November, if you've joined us recently, um, we spoke a lot about just our uh, discipleship within the context of small group. And um, you can give us that next one. There's only a handful of them still left at, um, outside. 
but we're going to print a few more of that and we're going to talk about that um, at the small group training in January as well. So we want all of our congregation members to come to that training if you've missed the camp to be there because we're going to have this conversation often. We've tried to put a one-pager together where the key crux of it in terms of discipleship and that specific thing more related to small groups, um, how does that fit together? We've tried to put like a one-pager, try to put the bare minimum in it, and we want our whole congregation to know what's going on there. Because it's a lot, and there's a couple of diagrams, and I'm going to run you through, just as an introduction, one or two of the key things um, which Pastor Henny spoke about in, in, in October as well. He spoke about that there's a, there's a couple of, there's three irreducible minimum, in a sense, elements that you need for discipleship. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole conversation about what is discipleship necessarily, etc. Pastor Eni has been speaking about that, and we are going to continue to speak about that. But there are three key elements, and that's the spirit, the word, and people. Without one of those three, discipleship can't happen. And it's where those three things come together, and I don't mean to be disrespectful when I refer to the Word or the Spirit as things, I'm just bringing them together. Where those three come together, that is where discipleship happens. That is where gospel transformation happens in our hearts and in other people's hearts. When we come together around the Word, who is Jesus, who is His written Word, the Spirit who comes and brings life, not just a head knowledge, but also people. Discipleship can't happen without people. That should be a little bit of a duh moment, but um, you can't make a disciple of no one. Yeah. So where those, three, where those three things come together, that is where discipleship happens. And then this for us really happens in community. And on this next one... Um, we say that discipleship is gospel transformation in community through witness and worship. Okay? It says there, gospel transformation in community for witness and worship. And that really sums, sums it up. Is that it's within the context of community. We are a community, but also we as a community are in a bigger community who also does not know God necessarily. Some do, some don't. And this is just all introduction. If I'm losing a little bit on the diagrams, don't, don't worry too much. Um, we're going to talk about this extensively on the 14th and the 21st of January. So if you can make one of those two dates, it'll be great if you can, if you can be there. And then on the next one is that when we talk about discipleship, we always talk about that we as individuals, but also as a community, we need to grow in a upwards, inwards, and outwards relationships. Upwards towards God, inwards towards ourselves, towards one another. How does the gospel impact our lives inward? And then how does it impact the world out there, outside of our community? Um, so this morning, I'm specifically going to talk about the outwards element of that. Okay? So if it seems unbalanced, it's because it is. Okay? <laughs> okay? It's because I'm only talking about the outwards Thing here this morning. Okay, so please see that in the light of all of the other conversations that we're also having. And uh, this morning, I'm going to do it a little bit differently. I'm really going to talk about the heart of the issue here for a little bit, and then we're going to pray. And after we've prayed, then I'm going to give you some practical 
some practical things to go and do in the holidays, take it back to God and pray through it in the holidays and prepare ourselves for, for next year. Okay, so let's get going. Why are you still here? And the, the bottom line is you are still here because the mission is not complete yet. Amen? What mission? The commission. Okay, the commission. The great commission. But go into all the world, make disciples of all men. That's my paraphrased version. Okay? Jesus, the end of before he went to heaven, his last instructions to his disciples is all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So, the mission, the reason why we are still here, why, the reason why when you got born again, Jesus didn't take you up into heaven immediately, is because there are still other people around us that also need God. It is not so that you can still get married. It is not so that you can still get a child. It's not so that you can still experience the beach um, it, it, those, those are great things, but that's not the bottom line reason why we are all still here. And yes, a part of the reason why we are still here is to worship God, but we're going to worship God in heaven as well. Amen? If you go read scripture, we're going to worship God for the rest of eternity. Okay, so that is not the sort of the bottom line thing why we are still here, because we are going to worship Him. Um, in eternity as well. But we are still here because there's still the reason why God, why, why, why the Father sent His only Son to become, to come to us and die on the cross for us is because He wants to seek and save that which is lost. And we are all a part of that. And we are all a part of that redemption story so far. And we'd be doing a great injustice to the gospel and to what Jesus came to do if we take that message and we just keep it to ourselves. Because that is only where the story in your life should begin. And that's not the end of the story. Okay, so let's, let's get a little practical. In um, Matthew 9, uh, a couple of months ago, I, s I spoke about the, these two scriptures in length at the Saints in Worship evening. And I'm, I'm just going to touch on some of the same scriptures in those two portions the end of Matthew 9 and then the whole of Matthew 10 is actually the same conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. So here's Jesus. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw they were harassed, no, when he saw the crowd, sorry, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Very next verse. This is not like, there's not like a hundred of other verses in between. This is the very next verse, Matthew 10, verse, um, verse 1. He says, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And continues to name every one of those 12 disciples by name. And then, the, and then verse 5, he says, These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. And go do yourself a favor. Go read the rest of Matthew 10. 
Um, if you keep your heart open, you will be challenged immensely through Matthew, Matthew 10. Because God, Jesus comes and gives them specific instructions, what to expect, what to do, where to go, where not to go, what to expect. People are going to flog you, people are going to hate you because of me, all sorts of things. And he also says that you are far more worth than, spar- like, like, than sparrows. And so it's a long conversation. But that's not the point of what I'm trying to say here this morning. Is I want to I just have a look at what Jesus did when he saw the crowds. And the question really to us is when it comes to mission-critical things, you remember that old, old saying about what would Jesus do? We, some, some people still have those banglets and so on. It was overused at some stage, and nobody wanted to use that slogan anymore. I think it's quite trendy. It's just like the mullet that every now and then comes back again. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to, to uh, liken what Jesus did with the mullet, but... Um, you get what I'm saying. Okay, so I'm gonna, the, the question that you can ask yourself is what did Jesus do in the context of this scripture? And let's have a look at what he did and how he responded. First of all, Jesus saw. When he looked at the crowds, he saw that they were harassed and helpless. And he has a question. Do you see the people around you. I'm not talking about people around you, yeah, necessarily, them as well. But my question is, do you see the person sitting across the cubicle from you at work? Do you see the person staying next to you in your complex or in your neighborhood? Do you see the person putting petrol in for you? Do you see your boss? Do you see the people working for you? I'm talking about truly seeing to be able to associate and see that people are helpless, harassed, and that they need a Savior. And we often, we see a need when we see somebody is poor or they are in need of something physical. But I want to say that the billionaire needs as much as the, person, the homeless person. They need Jesus just as much. They themselves don't necessarily recognize what the need is, but if you, go, if you engage long enough in a conversation with that person, you will realize that, that person, there's, there's something, something missing. Okay, so there's a question. Do you see? Next, next thing that Jesus did, Jesus was moved with compassion. Are you? Because here's the thing is, once we start to see the great need that there is around us, we can easily be overwhelmed. And we can close up, and we can harden our hearts, and we can choose to look the other way next time because it is uncomfortable to see people and see the needs that people have. Now, please understand that I realize that you also have needs. You also are broken. I am broken. There's a lot of work in progress, things that God is busy with in my heart as well. So I'm not, I'm not saying don't deal with that stuff. But at the same time, they, they, you've already, you're already in a relationship with the potter, with the one that's already forming you. And there are so many people that's not in that process yet. And we can actually have an opportunity. So here's the thing about compassion. I remember when we went to India 
think it was last year to the pastor summit. Neil, when did we go to the pastor summit in Himalayan? It was last year. Four of us, Neil and Stefan and Lodewijk and I, we went to, to a pastor summit with the Himalayan network. Um, Lodewijk is a big rugby player guy, good guy to have on your side in the fight. Um, and uh, I remember going there and I told him, I just felt a word on my heart from him. I said, look, God is going to start breaking your heart for people around you. And you're going to start weeping for people that's, that does not know him. Just know that, he, that it is he that is busy doing that. And he looked at me and his eyes started tearing up. He said, yeah, God has already started to do that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. Then I'm going to leave you at that. <laughs> that's what compassion does. It starts breaking our hearts for the people around us. Um, and we can eat, and, and, and it, this, is, this is so relevant to all of us. It's relevant to me as well. On a daily basis, we can choose whether we're going to harden our hearts after we've seen some, after we deliberately, or God opens our eyes to deliberately see somebody, we can choose whether we're going to have compassion on this person or whether we're going to have uh, harden our hearts. And I know it's a little bit, little bit challenging. Turn to somebody next to you. So we are little enough in here that you're not in my comfort zone. Don't worry. Yeah, just turn to somebody next to you and just say, it's going to be okay. With so many people, what I, what I mean about the comfort zone is that we are little enough people here that there's not people around you sitting in your personal space. That's why you're sitting next to the people that you know and not don't know. Anyway, all right, comfort zone. Just on the thing about comfort zones, um, comfort zone... You, most, most of you have heard about what a comfort zone is, right? We, we often, we don't want to get out of our chair and walk across the room and serve somebody a snack or tell them the gospel because we often, we say we are in a comfort zone. We are, and I want to say a comfort zone really talks about a missional indifference. What does it mean to be indifferent about something? It means I don't really care. That's hard, I know. I know, I know, I know. Okay. Right, next thing that Jesus did. What was Jesus' response to when he had compassion? This is a very interesting response for me. Okay, Jesus, Jesus' response is he, he, he turns to his disciples and he tells them, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. So Jesus doesn't address the need of the crowd which he sees. He turns to his disciples and he sees this as a discipling opportunity for his own disciples. He realizes the need is much bigger. He could probably have done it himself. But after he goes to heaven, the disciples needed to take that commission forward. They needed to go further with that. And I want to say that if you're going to start praying for people, okay, obviously in this context, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray for more laborers. He didn't, he didn't tell them pray for the harvest because he was saying the harvest is already ready, pray for laborers. In whichever context, whether you're praying for the people around you or you, whether you're praying for laborers, the, 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 the point is the same. It's about the harvest. And the moment you start aligning your heart to reach the harvest, I want to say that is the bridge between having compassion and actually doing something about it. We often don't do something about it once we've had compassion on them because we don't pray about it. Okay, so I want to say that ask God to open up your eyes to see the people around you, to really see them. 
to see their spiritual condition and that they need Jesus. They need a Savior. And once you do that, you're going to start having compassion for people. And once you have compassion for the people, you start praying for those people and you start praying for more laborers. But here's a warning. What does Jesus do after he teaches his disciples to pray for laborers? He sends those guys out who just prayed for laborers. He sends them out into the harvest field. So what we often do is, Lord, raise up laborers to go and to, to reach these people. And we want to outsource that duty. We want to insource, I, I will be the one worshiping you in church. I will be faithful in small group, but don't send me out to my colleague across the room. Um, we want to outsource the responsibility of the gospel message that God has imparted to us. We want to outsource that to the evangelists or to the Go Josie team or to the pastor. It's very quiet in here. <laughs> okay. It's all right. I'm gonna, we, it's, it's good news. Okay. Amen. I know it's very challenging and it challenges me as well. So Jesus' last, last response in this context is he sends, in Matthew 10 verse 1, where he sends them. And here's the last question is, are you willing to go? Are you willing to see? Are you willing to have compassion? Are you willing to pray for the harvest and pray for laborers of the harvest? And are you willing to go? And I believe those are the four key questions that God wants to hold in front of all of us. And all four of those questions come back to the question that I first asked. So why are you still here? You can have a comfortable life for the rest of your life. You know, I want to outright say it. You're not here to be a doctor, first and foremost. That is maybe a part of the outflow of why you are still here. But you're a doctor so that you can minister the gospel to other doctors and to patients you're an engineer to minister the gospel to other engineers and build some stuff. <laughs> okay? Do your work well. You're not primarily an accountant. When we talk about calling, if you go to Scripture and you refer to calling, we all want to know, what is my purpose? What is my calling? And often we relate that to, what does God want me to do for a job? And those things are important, but I want to say they are secondary. We are called to be children of God. We are called to be light in this world. We are called to be salt to this earth. So whatever you do for a living, that is secondary to your primary call as a child of God, to be an ambassador for Christ. And those things are important, but I want to say they are secondary. I know it's hard, but it's, it's true. Because we live in such an individualistic life where it's not, if it's not about me, if it's not about my comfort, if it's not about what I can get out of this, I don't really want to do it. And the gospel is one of those, does that to us. You say that, in, that upwards, inwards, and outwards relationship. If you spend time in the Word of God, if you encounter Christ that comes and it transforms you in the inside, makes you to worship Him for who He is, and it causes you then to look out to the people around us. And I want to say people that come that, that have just received Christ is often the best witnesses. 
for two reasons. Because they don't start to get all religious around God. <laughs> because that experience, that born-again experience that they got is so real, so relevant, so fresh, that they just want to share it. We that mature a little bit, we start to get wise and maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. And the other thing is people that just come to salvation still have a lot of friends in the world. Amen? Where if you've been in the kingdom of God for longer than a year, what, what starts to happen? Either you distance yourself from your old friends and you make friends inside of church, or you've evangelized them all in 12 months and either they've run away or they also came to salvation. <laughs> okay, so... Um, I want to pray for us before we, before we continue. And I know this is a little bit like a, shh, can't you give us a Christmas message, a good need, like a, like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, can't you give us a, like a warm, fuzzy, fluffy, nice, festive message? And I want to say your festive season is going to have a lot more festivity if there's a, friend, a family or a friend of yours that actually come to salvation. I remember going on holiday. I was first year. No, I failed my first year. Second year. I, 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 had, a, I had a second gap year because I failed my first year. So I was at home caughting up, catching up some subjects through UNISA. In the process, we went to, on a holiday to Mozambique with my sister and some of her friends. So I was going in praying for really God encounters with the crowd that I'm going with. And there wasn't really significant God encounters with the people that we went with, except for the, for the fact that the guy that was then assigned at the place where we stayed was assigned to us to, um, to work for us. Um, I went to dive. He, look, he, looked, he looked after the gear. Um, he actually came to salvation during that holiday. And before the end of that holiday, I was able to baptize him in the sea and connect him to a local church there. Now, the reason why I say that is because we, can, we, we go in our lives in boxes. I'm going on holiday now. I'm not going to be in church mode. Or I just want to recoup. I'm at the end of the year. I'm tired. Or I think this is the mission why I'm going for on holiday. I want to minister to my family and my friends but then God brings across this random stranger whose life he just flips around completely. So I just want to say that going into holiday, there are going to be those moments if you are willing to engage in those opportunities, whether it's with your family, whether it's with your friends, or whether it's um, just you and God. God wants to use you. And that is often what hinders us from actually ministering the gospel to other people. We think that we're not adequate, or what about my issues, what about... Um, you know, what about, what if, what if? And it's often the fear of man or the fear of failure that keeps us from going further. And before we, Daniel, you can get that video clip ready. I wanna, before we pray and before we watch this video, I want to just tell you this, this one story. That after my matric year, I had, a, I had a gap year where we ministered the gospel in, uh, in schools in, across South Africa. And my team leader... I can't remember it was, her, was, a, was a vision that she had or was a vision that somebody else had, but that, that story just stuck so close, so close to my heart. And, it's, and some of you have heard it. And it's a story of where um, the vision was that the person was in eternity, in heaven, 
and there was this divide between those who were in heaven and those that were in hell. There was this great divide, and on this side, standing in heaven and those being in hell, and if you go read Scripture, hell is really not a great place. There's, there's, there's um, burning flames, it's torturous, it's weeping and gnashing of teeth on that side. And on this side, the person is standing, and on the other side, seeing people that the person knew, either closely or loosely, or loosely knew. And the people on that side, in agonizing pain, crying out to the person on this side, saying, you knew about this. Why did you never tell me? And that's one of, one of the stories that has stuck so close to my heart that always gets me over myself. When the Holy Spirit lays on my heart to go and talk to somebody, that story always comes up with me. Um, and I don't believe that that scenario is going to happen. That's, that's, that, that story doesn't come out of Scripture. Okay? So, but that was a, that's a, it's, a, it's a story that has knocked me very hard to realize that one day people are going to go to hell, and I, which I knew, which I did nothing about. Um, I, I, had art, I did articles with people for three years, and not once did I, enga- or did, did I engage in a conversation with them. Muslim, Hindu, atheist, all alike. There are some people that I reached out to, those who I felt more comfortable to do it with. And that's great, and that is a part of the process. But I want to say that um, don't just go out here and start shooting left, right, and center. Engage with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you to know what to say. Some people aren't ready to hear the gospel. But be deliberate in how can you engage in a relationship with that person in order so that you can build a bridge for the person to be able to receive the gospel. And I'm going to talk about some practical things after, after we've prayed. Okay, Daniel, you can show us this video. Father, we, we want to thank you that you've sent your son to die for us, God to save us. You've sent your Son to die for us while we were still sinners. And we thank you that you've washed our sins away as we've put our faith in you, as we've made you our Lord, as our God. And we choose to follow you, God, no matter what the cost. Lord, this morning I realize, God, that this message is not, a, it's not an easy message, God, and it's not a comfortable message. Lord God, you've knit us as a congregation together, God. You've knit us where we've really, st- where we've, we really experienced family here, we really experienced community here to, to a certain degree. Lord, we realize, God, that, that you've not just called us to to just be a community, but you've also called us to be a community that changes the community around us with your gospel. Lord, we repent, God, of our attitudes of thinking that we should outsource the reaching out. We repent, God, of thinking that outreach is an event or is a mission trip or is a one-day event. We repent of that, God, and we embrace, God, embrace 
the Christ-likeness, God, that reaching out is a part of daily living. Becoming more like you, following you, God, will impact the people around us. And Lord, I realize that we are faced with many challenges around us. The what-ifs and the unknowns. If we take your message serious and we go out with this message, there's a lot of risk involved. And we don't know always what to say, who to say it to, how to say it. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one that empowers us to go out and be effective witnesses for you. God, I pray, God, for, for wisdom to know what to say to who. Thank you that in your word, God, you say that you will give us the words to speak when we are brought before governors, before other people in authority, God. This morning, God, we just, bottom line, we want to surrender to your plan for our lives. We know that we are still a work in progress, but in the process, God, that you are also working in us to work through us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your gospel that transformed our lives and want to transform lives through us, God. In Jesus' name, I pray, you know, just as you keep your eyes closed, if you yourself are just, just standing here and thinking, oh, that's all good and well, but I'm not 100% sure whether this message is really real. How can I go and tell other people if I feel like I'm a hypocrite? And that's a legitimate question. And the legitimate response is to sort that out first. The legitimate response is to come to Jesus and acknowledge Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Not just Savior, Lord, the one that calls the shots. The one whom you follow. Whether it's in between tax collectors or into prostitutes or wherever it is that He calls you, you will follow so if you relate to that where you feel like if you had to go and tell people about Jesus, that you'd feel like a hypocrite, that you feel like my own relationship with God is not intact at the moment, I want you to just be bold and just respond to that by just raising up your hand. Uh, everybody, just keep your eyes closed. This, thanks. If you've raised your hand, you can lower it again. It's just, a, just as a sign to go and say, Lord, I, I, I want to take this message serious, but I... I really, I'm a little bit in bits and pieces in my own relationship with you. So I see your hand. If you want to lower it, you're welcome to lower it again. I'm not going to call you out, but I've specifically not asked the, the worship team to come to the front here because out there in the world, there isn't dramatic lights. There isn't, there isn't music that's going to play when you start ministering the gospel. Where the tire meets the road is where you are real with God. And there's no music in the, in the background that plays when, you, when you're going to face certain challenges out there. This is a safe place here to deal with it right now. So if you face opposition outside here in the world for standing up for the gospel, you are going to face opposition. Make a peace with that. I want to say if you can't make a peace with it in a safe place like this, you're going to struggle to make a peace with it out there. I want to specifically just pray for the people that raise their hands and um, you don't have to pray after me, but just in your heart and at the end just say amen as an acknowledgement to God that you agree with that prayer for you. Father, I come to you, Lord, and I realize, God, that, that I've wandered a bit. 
away from you, God, and I feel like my own relationship with you are not in order, God, is not in a good place. And I really will feel like a hypocrite if I have to take out your word to people around me. Lord, I come back to my first love, which is Jesus. Lord God, may anything and everything that I do, God, flow from that place of you being my first love, being husband, being a wife, being a mother, being a father, being a friend, being a colleague. May everything that I do, God, flow from that place where you are my first love, you're my first priority, and I live in everything that I do. I live for you, God. I come back to you, and I thank you that you wipe my sins away. You bridge the divide through the blood of Jesus. I thank you that I can sit in your lap. I can be embraced by your love. Thank you for a revelation of your love, of being a child of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Turn to somebody next to you, give them a smile. Say it's good news. Amen. Okay, I'm going to be a little bit on a lighter note now. I'm going to be a little bit more on a practical note for us as a congregation. If you're here visiting this morning from another show for our congregation or from another congregation altogether, then what I say here, translate it into your own local setting and go take it back to God and figure out what it is that God wants you to do in your own local setting. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about what we as a congregation are going to be doing next year for our 2017 calendar, and the reason for why we have structured certain things quite significantly different than this year. And it relates to this message that I've, that I've shared this morning. And uh, the, the point here is that we want to make it count. Okay, we are next year, we're not going to have Bible school. Okay? Uh, we're not going to do Bible school next year, which for those that are new, Bible school Tuesdays every, every week, we had, we had Bible school. For some, this is like, ah, oh, I love Bible school. That's great. We are going to bring it back, just not next year. Okay. The reason why we're not doing Bible school, we're also only going to start with our encounter series end of March, and there's only going to be one complete cycle of the encounter series. Um, big reason for that is that we realize that especially, um, I want to say, the more people become leaders or more involved in ministries in church, they just get busy with church activities. And they don't spend time with people in the world. So we've gone and we've been deliberate by clear, trying to clear your church diaries so that you can spend some time with people in the world. Okay, Scripture says that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Okay, So we're sending you in this world not to become of the world. Okay? So, God, so if you struggle still with drinking alcohol, then maybe going to go and hang out with your buddies at the pub is maybe not the best place for you to go. Maybe invite them to your place or something. So we want you to be deliberate in engaging with the people around you. So we've cleared your diaries, especially the first three months. You see there's very little on the church calendar except for Sunday services and small group during, during the month. Okay. One of the things, um, you can bring up that 2017 family and team focus slide. Um, so our focus for January until March is really going to be to receive people. Receive people that are new to Johannesburg or new to our influence or just 
We want to focus on receiving people. January is a big month of where a lot of people migrate to Johannesburg, and they think they're coming here to pursue a career. But we pray and trust that they will meet Jesus in the, in the process. Uh, so if you, if you are a young corporate, if you're working at an a, a auditing firm or wherever you're working at Standard Bank, there's a lot of bankers here, look to the new grads that is coming in. They're new to Johannesburg. They're, they, they're looking for, fa- for friendship. They're looking for community. Um, whether they know it or not, they are looking to spend time with people. So be on the lookout for that. When I remember when I, we, we did articles, uh, I also did CA, so when we did articles, in my second year of articles, Sunay, who's also in the Tanzania team, we did articles together. I went to the, to the person doing the induction week for the new guys coming in. I went to her and I said, um, I'd like to, is there anything that we can help you with? I love icebreakers and team building stuff, so I sort of took that angle. Um, I didn't think that I knew much of an academic point of view to be able to contribute anything, but I just said, I'm, I'm keen to help. And uh, she said, okay, cool. And I just said, she, what do you have in mind? So I'm like, okay, well, let me just do a get to know one another icebreaker when they arrive first. So on the second day, Sunay and I came in and we did just icebreakers. What that did is that, that immediately on their second day at the job, that built a bridge of relationship to somebody else at the workplace and because it's a get-to-know-one-another exercise, I get to know them on the one side. And then I said, okay, tomorrow morning, you guys only have to be here at 8, but tomorrow at 7 o'clock, Sunay and I, we're going to share a little bit of our life stories and how we came up to be at this place in our, in our life. So if you want to come in a little bit earlier, um, then just come, because you can't do it as a compulsory thing to everybody there in today's society. So a few of them came the next morning. So those are ways of how you can bridge gaps for people, of building relationships, and that opened up a lot of doors to a lot of people's hearts to be able to minister the gospel. So that I'm just using that as an example to try and see around you what are the processes that you can do. Um, if you're a student, it's not, most of the students are away, but if you're a student, first years come flocking in in the, in the beginning of the year. And uh, just, on, just on the side, man of peace principle, uh, in that same Matthew 10 scripture, uh, Jesus talks about if you find a man of peace there, you stay with him, you eat his food, um, and, you, and, and you move out from there. Man of peace principle is somebody that actually opens up the door for you into a lot of other people's lives. And go and ask God, who are the men of peace or women of peace around you who if that person came to Christ would have a whole ripple effect? Point in case. We had a guy join us couple of months ago, two, or two months ago, um, from UJ. And uh, we had a conversation, and he said he was standing for Prim. He said, okay, I'm laying my hands on you. I'm rooting for you. Um, prayed for him. He stood for Prim. He got Prim. Then a couple of weeks later, which I only found out afterwards, is that they elected him as the Prim of Prims at UJ. So he represents all of the residences to the Res Life Management. So him and I are in conversation. He's organizing that as a part of the induction of all of the first years that they are taking all of the reses to our first year service, which means that we'll have, we'll have anything between 400 and 900 first years in our first year service. 
Don't worry, it's not going to be here, so you'll be safe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, the point I'm making, man of peace principle. That there was a man of peace that God used to open up the door to a lot of, or have a ripple effect into other people's lives. Be sensitive to people like that. Okay? Yes, there's those men of peace, but also be sensitive to the down and out type of person. Uh, I had a homeless guy that came to ask me for stuff earlier this week, and um, I, I often just put the ball in their court to just test whether what they're saying, whether they're legit on it, and we'll still, still see in the long term whether he's legit or not. I said, he said, no, I want to change my life around, and I'm like, why do you want to change your life around? Tell me. You are this and this. Okay, no, we don't have enough time now for a conversation. Come see me Friday morning. If you're really serious about wanting to change your life around, come see me Friday. If you're not there, then don't ask me for anything again. So I gave him what he asked for initially, just some food and stuff. And he was in front of my house from 7 o'clock on, on Friday. And long story short, he, re he recommitted his life to God. And hopefully we'll see him in the new year again. Um, so what I'm saying is be on the lookout for the men of peace, of influence, but also be on the lookout for the down and out guys. God wants to use you in anybody and everybody's life. Okay, so man of peace principle. And then we've spoke about this on the camp about host groups. Now, what host groups are for those that weren't there, we are going to launch a six weeks thing of, uh, that we call host groups. Host stands for heart for people, open your home, serve a snack, tell some friends. Okay, that's what it stands for. Okay, when, so when you invite somebody, don't tell them I'm inviting you to a host group. You just invite them to your home for a six weeks course. Okay, that's what you are inviting them to. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run you through the type of people that I feel is probably the most appropriate to be able to invite to something like it. You can't just invite anybody to this. Okay, so Henny was in Secunda on Wednesday. They shot the material of what, what we're going to be doing there. So how it's going to work, the way you get people together, any, anywhere between two and ten people in your home, say, we're going uh, to be doing this, or would you be keen to come and do this? I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm just asking you, would you be keen to do this with me? So on the Wednesday, we're going to start, and we're going we, to pitch it somewhere between unchurched and church. It's not to the, un, to the completely, completely unchurched, but it's also not pitched to people that have been walking with God for five years. Okay? So it's for people that do not have a living relationship with God, but they might have some frame of reference. Okay, so on the Wednesday evening, you'll watch a 10, 15-minute video clip, and then you as facilitator, you will... We're going to give you everything in your hand which you can facilitate. Okay, so you don't have to be a facilitator to do this. So if you're in a current small group, you can approach it one of two ways. Either your small group sends you to go and do this for six weeks and you won't be on a Wednesday in your normal small group and after six weeks you come back. Or you can do both. Be in your normal small group and you do the host groups in a time slot when it works for you. It'll be short enough so that you can do it on a lunch hour at work as well. Okay, so you'll be able to do it in an hour at work if, you can, if you've got that sphere of influence in your workplace or whatever. So you've got the freedom to use it whenever, wherever in that given week for six weeks running. So that Wednesday, there'll be a specific topic and we'll send out to you the details, what are the different topics that we're going to be talking about. But then on the Sunday following, we're going to be preaching about that message as well. 
Um, so anywhere in the six weeks, you can try and figure out when is an opportune time then to be able to invite them to church as well if they're not in another church. Okay. Um, around about week five, the creation ministry guys are also going to be here, so that'll be a lot more of an ap apologetics type of approach on week five. Um, so this is a lot of more practical kind of, kind of things. Please don't feel like you have to be this uber Christian, mature Christian to be able to do this, okay? If you've received Christ this morning as your Lord and Savior, you'll be able to do this because we're going to give it into your hands. Everything, all the questions that you need to facilitate, all you need is a heart for people. And to open your home, maybe serve a snack, and tell some friends. That's, that's the just of it, okay? Um, and we're not expecting everybody to do this. But some people here are very good inviters. And other people are good in facilitating a conversation. For example, we played touch rugby on a Monday evening. We won the final this Monday. Yeah. Go near us. <laughs> All right, so there's a few of us here. And that's, it's easy to invite somebody to a touch rugby game. So I want you to be, be creative in what you can invite people to. Don't... Uh, um, almost said the wrong word. Don't uh, throw them a dummy. Don't, don't lie to them. Okay? If you're inviting them for dinner, then you invite them for dinner. Don't plug in a DVD and now you're watching everything. Okay? Okay. But what I want to say is start being deliberate in building relationship with people. Surprise, surprise. Everybody around you eats. Amen? Okay? So invite them for lunch or dinner or if you're at work, instead of having lunch in front of your computer, actually just say, hey, come, let's go sit in the canteen, you and I, and we just chat. Let's get to know one another. Build bridges of relationship with people. Okay. And then for next year, another focus. We'll see at the end of March, we're going to have men's camp as well. A men's camp as well as Awaken, it's twofold focus. The focus is inward focus and outward focus. It is to establish community amongst us so that we build relationship with one another. But it's also there that we can actually invite people out there into our community. Okay, so when, 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 when Men's Camp and Awaken come, comes around, then that as well. So at the end of March, we're going to have Men's Camp. In May, we're going to have an Awaken Women's Retreat. Okay, so you will also go away, just not in tents. Okay, unless you want to stay in a tent, ladies. Okay, and then the other focus, in the second, more in the second semester, our outward focus is going to be our Santon church plant. Okay, so we, we're working deliberately to, to having weekly services there. So we're uncertain about the timing yet. May, June, July is sort of the, the timeline of where we're looking at that. But also in that time is when we're starting with the encounter series, is where we then, people that we have reached, we want to disciple them. We want to equip them. So if you brought a new person into your small group, then you say, I will go with you to encounter one. Or I will go with you to encounter two. Or let's go and do legacy. Let's go and do liberty, whatever. Okay, so don't, we, we're not outsourcing our discipleship. Okay? Small groups is where discipleship should happen. You take them by the hand and you walk the road with them. Amen. Okay, so last thing that I just want to mention to you guys we've got five minutes and then I'll be done, is your Oikos world. 
Your what? I know. Yeah, oikos is a is a Greek word for family, or yeah, um, in, in the Greek context, it was lit, it was more related to your immediate sphere of influence, those who worked for you or those that were in your immediate contact. This is typically about eight to fifteen people that would be in your oikos world. Okay, so that is where the where the word comes from. So in, in our context, it, it, it refers to your family, your friends, those who you have regular monthly or weekly contact with. Okay, your oikos world. It'll typically be your family, your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends, your local barista, Okert, and the guys. Um, other parents, the, the parents of the children where your child goes to school, um, your professor, teacher, your mechanic, your grocery store clerk, your hairdresser, Melindy, um, roommate, your gardener, whoever, whosoever, okay, that you get in regular contact with. That's, that describes your oikos world. Okay, they can be typically it's it's believers and non-believers alike describe your oikos world. Okay, but now I want to quickly just on this next slide just show you what. Um, in terms of unbelievers, people that do not know Jesus, okay, with inside of your oikos world, um, this is a handy diagram, and there are handouts which the, which the ushers will give you at the door. You can grab one. This diagram is on there as well. People typically fall into one of these categories. Um, yes, I am boxing them in. You get type A and you get type B type of unbelievers. Type A unbelievers is typically people that are familiar with church. They're relatively familiar with the Bible message. They either grew up in church. They went away out of church. Um, something, something of that, that fault. Then you get the type B people who really don't care about Christianity. They, some of them might know there's Christianity. Some of them might not. Uh, but those are two different types of unbelievers. Now, you are going to approach people that are at different places in their lives differently. A Muslim, for example, who's not open for the gospel, you're not going to invite them to a host group unless your relationship with that person is at such a strong point where you actually can do that. Someone like Neil or someone like Kubus, for example, get stuff like that quite, they get this right. Go and talk to them, okay, um, where they can get the, the atheist and the Muslim, they can get them to a place of where you can actually engage. But if you, if you talk to them, ask them how many meals they have with them, where they don't even have conversations about the gospel at all. So it's a slow cook process, not microwave. Yeah, so, okay, let's talk, I just quickly want to talk you through this, because as, as part of, as part of this, this time in preparation in December, you, some of you are still going to go away or you're going to be here, but you're going to have some time to reflect. And I'm going to give you a handout. I've sent it to the facilitators where the first page is where you raise up memorials. Go and listen to Pastor Henny's sermon of last week. He spoke about memorials where you just come in thanksgiving to God about who He is, what He's done, especially either, either through this year or in the past. And it's important to come to God with thanksgiving um, at any time in our lives, really. But it's, it's, it's really special at the end of the year just to come and reflect about what the year has, uh, has in, in, the, in the past. 
And then specifically, then you're going to move on. What is, what is God telling you about us to show for Johannesburg? Where do you feel God is leading us to show for Johannesburg? Where do you feel God is leading your small group? And what do you feel God is saying to you personally for the year ahead? And then the other thing is, then you're going to evaluate people. You're going to, you're going to start praying and asking God, who do you want me to, to deliberately build a relationship with? And this is going to help you to sort of figure out what can you do, what can't you really do with a person. Okay, so let's just run through those quickly, and then and I'm going to pray, and then you can um, can go. Okay, so type uh, type type A unbelievers is people that are like us. Okay, willing to attend a celebration or a small group. They already believe in God, accept the Bible, understand that Jesus is the Son of God, and have some awareness of scriptural facts. They may already have a church membership somewhere, but are inactive perhaps for years. They are searching for something. They may not have all the information needed about Christ's love for them. Bible studies or explaining the process of salvation are appropriate activities to do with them. I remember doing articles, and one of the managers, he was an outspoken Christian, but I wish that he never said that, just by the way that he lived and the things that he said. He's a good guy to be able to invite to this. Because he says he's Christian, but you can see that he's not. He doesn't have a living relationship with God. So he'll be typically open to do a walking with Jesus with you, to do, read Scripture with you. Um, so it's, it's often more the guys that are slightly more religious, they have some form of knowledge, etc. Um, those, are, those are guys that, um, that are quite keen for, for this kind of thing. Type B, unbelievers. Um, it's often unreached people or they need cultivation in a sense. They have no interest in the Christian faith. They may not believe in God or do not accept the Bible, do not understand Jesus as the Son of God and have little awareness of Scripture. They don't have church membership. They are not searching for God's purpose in their lives and have no intention of attending church activities. They have, few, they have very few pieces of the puzzle in place as far as Christian knowledge is concerned. Bible studies or discussing the process of salvation are not appropriate activities to do with them at the start. There must first be a time of developing relationships, exposing them to the reality of the living Christ in our lives. Okay, and here's some practical tips that I want to give to you, no matter where the people that is in your oikos is there. Okay, consider to have a meal once or twice a week with people that do not know God. At work, or invite them to your home, or whatever. Um, a lot of the guys here, they have brides together, whatever, invite them there. So we just, it's amazing how people pick up that you are different. Not so much by what you say, but by what you don't say. Or what you don't do. Okay. Here's, a, here's another question. What do you like to do in your free time? You don't have to shout it out, but what do you like to do in your free time? If it's sleeping, maybe that's not the best thing to do, invite other people to. But um, if it's jogging, if it's cycling, if it's touch rugby, do what you like to do, but just invite unbelievers with you. Uh, Louis and I had a short conversation on Wednesday evening and, uh, with, with regards to our touch rugby, and we said that we want to challenge our guys that are in church with us, who plays touch rugby with us, to ad invite at least one unbeliever to come and play touch rugby with us, even if it means that we need to put three teams on the field 
And winning is not the ultimate goal for us. It's actually we want to we wanna do what we like to do by playing touch rugby and whatever and just be ourselves. But we want to be, we want to, next year we want to, for example, want to be a lot more deliberate in reaching out. I remember, I remember Jacques and I, Jacques was also in the same auditing firm than I did at BDO. We enrolled a, 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 a BDO touch rugby team and there's this one guy after touch rugby, him and I prayed for him and God just gave us specific words for him. But he stood there afterwards, it looked like a train ran over him. He was like, whoa. That, that's amazing. Um, I think it was Ruan or somewhere. Um, anyway, so just to be intentional about what we do. Whatever you do, it doesn't mean that you need to rearrange your life completely. Just do what you do, but do it with unbelievers. Uh, so be intentional with praying for them, and then you invite them to where you are just living life. Whether it's to a picnic, whether it's a braai, whether it's just... One of the things that we're considering... Sorry, I'm interrupting myself. One of the things that we are considering, we're praying about it, is Elaine is going from the one school to Lohgeldenhuis to grade R next year. Uh, but Amy Louise, we're probably going to send her to school next year as well. Now, we're considering putting her in a school that's closer to Lohgeldenhuis, but at the same time, the school where Elaine was at is a little bit more expensive. But we, the reason why we're considering to put Amy Louise still in that school is because of the relationships that we've already formed with some of the parents and the teachers there. And some of the Elaine's classmates, their smaller sibling is going to be in the same age group as Amy Louise. So we are considering actually that as a part of just keep it there, keep Amy Louise there so that we can actually build relationships. That's just to use it as an, as an example. If you're a stay-at-home mom, consider how you can engage with other moms. Um, be creative. Um, if, it's, if it's with engaging with them at a in a play date or at the park or whatever. Okay, I'm just throwing around some ideas. And then I want to say, use your testimony or testimonies. Um, your salvation testimony, but your day-to-day, just, just, just start to speak about what God is doing in your life. Um, but you only can really do that out of a place of relationship with people. That category, um, bring up that diagram there for me, Daniel. That, that third category there is an interest group. It's people who isn't necessarily open to the message, but they're open to you as the messenger. I remember doing articles, and I was on a team with a religious lady who was not, didn't have a living relationship with God, with a Hindu and a Muslim. Sounds like a bad joke, right? And the Burki. Um, <laughs> but I remember that which, that which just who I was at the time. Like, for example... The, the Hindu guy was very provocative. He, he tried to, like, if I walk into your church, the place will burn down, kind of a thing. So I just, like, this was very provocative at some stage, and sometimes I'd use the conversation, other times I'd just ignore him. But I remember this one conversation we had about uh, music. Um, and he said, what kind of music do you have in your computer? And I said, well, not much, but this is what I've got. And he's like, is that all? I'm like, yeah. And like, what... Wait, do you want to tell me that you have no music on your laptop that you didn't, do not own? So I was like, yeah. So he was like, he didn't know what to say. And then the Muslim guy turned and he said, and when I grow up, one day I want to be like young George. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but it just, it just demonstrated something there about any, everything about you says something about you. 
Um, so we are going to put ourselves out there. If you're going to take the message of Christ seriously, to take it out in the world, just know that everything about you says something about you. Um, and it doesn't mean that you are disqualified from being a child of God if your whole life doesn't reflect Christianity or doesn't reflect Christ. Don't, don't worry about that. But all I'm saying is there are certain things that either give credibility to the message or that breaks down your credibility of the message. Um, so be aware of that. And if they, I mean, per se, there's nothing wrong with drinking a beer or a glass of wine, but if God tells you, when you are amongst your colleagues, I don't want you to drink a beer, then be obedient to it. Don't ask him 101 questions. It's just because of the message that it's going to portray outward. If God tells you, I remember in my first year of articles, and I'll close with this story and then pray. First year of articles, I stayed in Kempton Park. Christine was staying in Sunning Hill, was working in Houghton. I had class three times a week in Randburg, so it was just everywhere. And then on weekends, I'd try to see Christine while we were dating in the evenings. And sometimes, because it's far, I'd sleep over at her place. I mean, I'd sleep over at, on the couch, and, and she's in her bedroom or whatever. And uh, I remember Yaku. We had this celebration last, last week. Uh, Pastor Yaku, he came to me and said, it's, it's not so cool that you're actually sleeping over there. And he, just, he, he spoke to me, and he said, um, it's, it's not about what you do or don't do. It's about the message that it portrays to all the people that's, that's around her. And we stayed in, she stayed in a complex. It, people in the world automatically connect, make the connection that you are sleeping over and therefore X, Y, and Z. You figure that out yourself. Okay. Um, and, and therefore, to be a credible witness, I decided to, okay, you know what, even if it's late at night, I'm going to drive back to, to where, I, where, where I was staying at the time. Um, all right, let me pray for us. Does this help you a little bit for next year? In, there's, about 50, there's about 50 of these handouts, which the ushers will, will give to you when you walk out. Uh, if you don't get one, just ask your facilitator to just forward you the email that, that I've sent to them during the course of the week. Um, it's got the 2017 calendar on there. There's only about 20, 25 out of the calendar there, um, and about 50 of the other handout. Um, that will help you to plan your own discipleship for next year, but also it'll help you to uh, be deliberate in how to build relationships with other people around you. Um, and if you're a very, very shy person, don't worry about it. There are shy people out there that need you. Um, if you're a very outgoing person, but you can't physically follow them all up, get your small group members to help you out to follow those people out. There are shy people around you which would love if you just get the people there, we'd love to walk the road with them. Okay, so let's pray. Father, I thank you that that we can just you know, lay down our own agendas for 2017 before you. And Lord, I pray that for as a congregation, as an individuals in this congregation, God, that you would really help us to align our lives, align our, our day-to-days with your plan for our individual lives and for our congregation's lives. Lord, we stand in faith, God, for a, for, for a harvest next year to come in. But Lord, as we stand in faith, God, we look at ourselves and we know that you're looking back at us, saying, are we willing to go? And we ask you for the laborers. I ask you for the laborers that are sitting here in front of me, God, that you would prepare us to go into our everyday lives, 
people that we have contact with that nobody else have contact with who, is a, who knows you. And Lord, we pray for those hearts of those people, God, to come to you. We pray that you would open up their eyes to see you. And more so this morning specifically, God, I pray that you would open up our eyes to see the people around us, to embrace a heart for the lost around us, and that we would be serious about taking your message to the people around us, your message of reconciliation, God. May we not waste one day next year. Yes, there are times where you're calling us to rest and just sit at your feet. And there are other times which you are sending us out to go and live missionally every day. Pray that you would awaken us, God, for the needs of those people around us. Whether it's the homeless guy, whether it's the, the CEO of a company, whether it's another mom, or whether it's... Um, a grandfather, a grandmother. Thank you, God, that your message doesn't change, God. And I pray that you'd help us just to, to be bold, to take your message out to our world. And I pray blessing, God, over those that are still going to be traveling in the, for, for holiday and those that are going to remain here and stay up to wherever people are going to be, God. I pray, God, just for such a time of refreshing in your presence. That we would not enter into 2017, God, just with almost feeling like it's on our last breath, but that we really catch our breath. Um, pray for just the influx of your living waters into our lives. And that we would live life with the exuberance of life which you, which only you bring. And we choose to live our lives for you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.